Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey everybody, I'm Robert Evans, and this is Behind the Bastards, the show where we tell you everything you don't know about the very worst people in all of history. And this was the highest energy introduction I've ever done. Sophie is laughing at me over in the corner. Uh, I don't understand why. I thought it sounded pretty cool. Fonz-esque. This is a show where I read a terrible story about history, about someone bad or someone's bad, or usually a bunch of bad people doing bad things, to a guest who is coming in cold. And today... That very cold guest is Katie Golden. Might be Katie coming in Golden. <laughs> anyway, uh, she's Birds Rights Activist on Twitter, uh, where she advocates for birds, even though, as I understand it, millennials are saying birds aren't real. Uh, Those are lies. Those are communist lies. Communist lies. Uh, she's also the host of another podcast on the Stuff Network, Creature Feature. Great podcast about animals doing weird-ass shit. Science and stuff. Yeah, science yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, we talked about animals and drugs. We on a, did an episode of it. it was and great. how it's great to do drugs. It is great to do drugs. Uh, speaking of drugs that are great to do, today we're talking about insulin, mm. which is not a well. I mean, it's fun in that 
if you need to take it, you die not taking it. Right. Uh, I think it's fun not to die. It is fun not to die. Relatively fun not to die. It's, yeah. It is fun not to die of insulin shock. Yeah. Or diabetic comas and stuff. Yeah. Not fun. So I'm just going to get into it. On November 17th, 2018, several parents brought the ashes of their dead children to the doorstep of the offices of Sanofi, a pharmaceutical company that produces insulin. Sanofi and other insulin producers like Eli Lilly have been steadily raising the prices of their insulin for years. Because of this, insulin can cost as much as $1,000 a month for people without decent insurance. Mm. Hmm. My God. That's, I, I can't imagine spending $1,000 a month on anything other than like rent, I guess, but you don't. Yeah, that's rent. Even even with in a rent, pretty expensive town. So you're yeah. essentially renting your own body. Like you mm-hmm. want to keep living in your body, a thousand bucks rent, which yeah, you get, which get you a decent place, like in Culver City. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I lived in Culver, my rent was about a thousand a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's frustrating, right? It's a little frustrating. It's a little frustrating because clearly, I mean, no country on earth can afford something like single payer healthcare. No, that's it's why never it doesn't been done. exist anywhere. It's, it's never been done. Um, and our government needs its money for stuff like, did you hear about when that hurricane hit the, the East Coast, the military forgot to remove like a 11 F-22s hmm. and they all got destroyed. Oh, yeah. That was uh, $1.4 billion. Well, they got to put... I could have bought a lot of insulin. They got to put another billion dollar coin in the, the F-27 vending machine. <laughs> the funniest thing is, there's no vending machine. We can't make the parts for them anymore. Oh, great. We stopped manufacturing any of the things, so they're irreplaceable. It's oh, even... <laughs> oh, good. But we can't afford to help people with their... I'm sure we'll find a way to dig deep into the earth and find things that will destroy our planet that can make new airplanes. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Now, people with type 1 diabetes do not naturally produce insulin, uh, which is a magical substance that lets sugar not kill us instead of be delicious. Yeah. Uh, I'm a fan of insulin. Yeah, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Now, when insulin costs as much, if not more, than rent, many people stop taking it as often as they mm-hmm. should and ration their precious supply so that they can afford to do things like exist in a capitalist society <laughs> and pay the aforementioned rent that we've been talking about. Right. Yeah. Also, um, food. Because food, here's big the thing. One. Here's the thing is like insulin is basically useless if you don't eat. <laughs> if you're starving it, to death. Right. Because yeah. then you don't get any sugar, which mm-hmm. without insulin, you know, it's like. Well, I mean, Katie, I was really sympathetic with these people, but I think you've identified a way that they could not need insulin, which That's is just right. to not eat. The no eat diet. If they where, just stop eating. <laughs> and you won't die of insulin, of insulin shock. shock. Yeah. You'll just die of starvation instead. I do think they'll die of insulin shock. Too. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Probably. Medically speaking, yes, they will. <laughs> Neither of us are doctors. No. <laughs> you're not a doctor, are you? No, I'm not a doctor. Okay, fantastic. But I do read WebMD, like, a lot. Well, then you're basically a doctor. Exactly. Fantastic. Now, Alec Rashawn Smith was one of the young people who got caught in this deadly dance with a necessary drug. When he was 26, he aged out of his mother's health insurance. One month after his birthday, he died of diabetic shock. Smith's mom, Nicole, was one of the grieving parents who brought her son's ashes to Santa Fe that November day. She told the Boston Globe she wanted the company to, quote, know the price of their product is killing people when it's intended to save lives. Antoinette Warsham, whose 22-year-old daughter Antavia died last year while rationing insulin, told another interviewer that for people like her daughter, it's either pay your rent, pay your car payment, or get your medication. Mm. Diabetes is currently the seventh leading cause of death in the United States. I heard this story of this guy who, because like, I've heard this thing where people say, well, just go fund me if you can't afford your medication. Use that instead of healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. There was a guy who did that very yeah. thing, and he... $50 he, short. Yeah, $50 short 
of reaching his goal in the way $750 goal right was his monthly cost right and and he needed insulin to survive and he didn't have the money to pay for it and he was like taking care of his ailing mom too so that's part of the reason he didn't have that high of an income so like he tried to get it he was $50 short of reaching his goal so you know how GoFundMe works then you get none of that money And he he died. Yeah, he sure did. We will be talking about him a little bit later. Oh, good. Yay! So, clearly, this situation is fucked, right? Yes. That seems fucked. Seems like we can all get on the same page there. This is fucked. It seems like a little, like, just maybe a smidge fucked. Just a scotia the old F-bomb. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is fucked? Why is this so messed up? Because people are dying. Well, I mean, I'm saying that that's why it's messed up. But like, why oh, is I this why, state of affairs? Why exists? would they do, do because this? insulin yeah. is not a new drug? Usually when you've got like a case of this where something's incredibly expensive, it's number one, a drug that very few people need. Right. And number two, a drug that's really new because then, right. you know, that's the way that these patents work. For most medicines, after about 20 years after their invention, a generic patent comes out that's fairly affordable. Right. 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 That's one of the ways our system is supposed to work so that. That keeps drugs affordable for normal people, but also gives an incentive for companies to invest in research and whatnot, right? That is the promise in our capitalist system is that you will get better medicine under this system because companies will find new medicines, you know, essentially due to the profit motive, but because of the way that this generic drug, like that, that's the idea, right? That's the promise that we've all bought in this system. Otherwise, poor people or middle class people would never be able to afford medicine. Exactly. Insulin has existed for nearly a century, but there is no cheap generic insulin available in the United States. That's Today, crazy. we're going to talk about why. But first, we are going to talk about the invention of insulin as a medicine. Most cursory coverage of this will give credit to Dr. Frederick Banting. Some mention a small team of scientists who work with him. When I decided to look into this story, it's because I ran across a tweet about Banting. It stated that he had given the invention of medical insulin to the world, put it in the public domain, essentially, as a gift to humanity because he didn't want to profit off it. He wanted people to be able to get medicine. And so the tweet was basically like, this wonderful founder gave insulin to the world and wanted people to have it for free, and then the evil pharmaceutical companies fucked it up, which is true, but not detailed enough. So I wanted right. to know what that story was. Let's get the details. So let's get the deets. That's what we are going to be talking about today. Now, like most things you find on social media, that version of events is not quite accurate. Uh, insulin did not have a single inventor. And while pharmaceutical companies are the ultimate bastards here, the full story is weirder, sadder, and more infuriating than that. In 1921, Dr. Frederick Banting was the first person to isolate secretions from islet cells, the cells that make insulin. He suggested these might hold a treatment for diabetes, and he was basically right. Uh, He came up with a plan to tie up the pancreatic ducts of laboratory dogs and make their pancreases overproduce the cells that contain insulin until everything else in the pancreas dies. That was the idea, right? Did the dogs die? The hope was they wouldn't. <laughs> this was actually initially envisioned as like, oh, this is a beautiful one-two punch because we make these dogs' pancreases overproduce the cells. They didn't really know insulin was a yeah. th- Like insulin was a theoretical substance. They called right. it, I think, insuline. There was an I E. I don't know how they pronounced it, but it was spelled insulin. And the theory was like, if we make these dogs' pancreases produce a bunch of these cells, we can take the pancreases out and they will contain concentrated versions that then we can extract whatever's right, in right. the pancreas, shoot it into a diabetic, it'll make them better. So right. the idea was... We got to take these dogs' pancreases out in order to do this thing. But then we can just give them what we make from it. And if it works, it's a beautiful one-two thing. We don't have to kill the dogs. We'll know that we've got a treatment for diabetes because these dogs won't be able to produce insulin after we fuck up their pancreases. Seemed like it was like a a nice circle that they had had developed. Um, 
Now, the problem with Banting's plan is that he was not up to date on the work other scientists were doing testing blood sugar to find diabetes in patients. Banting did urine testing to find out blood sugar levels, which does did not work just, very well. Did he just like taste it? Because I know like... He just what... tasted their pee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of, the, one of the things is like um, if you taste your urine or smell your urine and it tastes sweet, uh, it's a sign of uh, diabetes... Oh, wow. Because it's like, I think it's called hyperkalemia, and it's because you're finding more sugars in your urine. You know, I've only drank my pee once uh, oh. for my book, A Brief History of Vice, because mm-hmm. I, was, I was trying a uh, an ancient Mesoamerican treatment where you mix tobacco, garlic, and urine as oh, a, a treatment for constipation. It works. Oh, uh, nice. It makes you very ill, uh, yeah. but functions in its intended purpose. Right. I was not paying attention. To, to the, the to how sweet it was. There was a lot of garlic in there too. Right. So the garlic I, is well. The garlic's going to cut the sweetness, as you know. It's going to cut like the sweetness with cooking. You know, it's going to. But it sounds like what you're saying is that we should all be drinking our pee every morning to sure. learn if we are diabetic. I mean, just just a little bit. A little bit. Just don't drink a lot of. Don't it. Don't drink a lot of your pee. A taste. A sample. That's the new behind the bastards motto. Sample your own pee. Sample your pee. Sample your pee. Right. This will be marketable. Let's get a t-shirt going. Can Sample we, your pee. Can we start that process, Sophie? TM. No. Okay. Sophie's shaking her head. <laughs> She's not happy with that. All right. Let's move on to talking about diabetes some more. So uh, uh, Banning was the first guy to start isolating the islet cells that contain the hormone insulin, but the amounts he was able to get were too small to really be useful, and his, his work had a bunch of holes in it. Mm. You know, he was good yeah. at a couple of things, but he, he was almost weak there. in a lot of other areas. So he had to partner with other scientists. Uh, Professor John James Rickard McLeod was the head of physiology at the University of Toronto. McLeod agreed to give him laboratory space for his experiments, and he also served as sort of the manager and overseer of the whole project. Because Banting was an unstable personality, oh. kind of an asshole. Oh, yeah. So McLeod... You mean some scientists are assholes? Yes. Really? The kind of guy who would <laughs> who would poison a dog's uh, pancreas in see, order to try to solve a disease. Yeah. wasn't great at working with yeah. other people. Oh, I see. Interesting. I mean... Counterintuitive, but you know. You need to do the research. This horrible thing has to happen. <laughs> but the kind of guy who's like, oh, yeah, what if we just torture dogs to figure this out? <laughs> Probably not fun to work with, and he's he wasn't. Maybe just a little too. He's got tunnel vision there. A yeah, bit. he's just so focused on that insulin. Right, right. Everyone else is like, but dogs. There's just dead dogs everywhere. Your whole I know, room but is I'm just almost dog there. Corpses. It's just crumpled up dog corpses. Once we get it right, the dogs won't die. He's just at his desk, and he's like, oh damn it! And he crinkles up another dog and tosses, <laughs> tosses it into it. the waste bin. Just a trash can full of dead dogs. <laughs> Sophie is really not loving this conversation. Uh-uh. There is a dog in the room but because anderson is a dog uh anderson does not understand what we're talking about which is the mercy of being a dog right now back to the story banting came to hate mcleod because uh mcleod was good at talking and explaining their work to other people at conventions uh well banting was an introvert and a big old nerd so banting started to worry that like mcleod was going to outshine him and get the credit even though from everything i've been able to read mcleod was just about oh yeah this is a really important cause i want to do everything i can do to make sure that this research gets completed so he goes like on reddit to complain about him like what a stupid science chad banting would a thousand percent (laughs) be a reddit dude although We'll get to, yeah, we'll get to uh, some in a second. Uh, so Banting uh. had an assistant, a guy named Charles Herbert Best, who did a- Charles? Charles. Charles, I okay. pronounced that weird for no I reason. Thought, I thought this was a fancy form of, sh- you know, Charles. Charlet. Charles. Charlet Herbert. Charlet. No, no, not at all. Uh, just plain old Charles, like an American. reading podcast for three hours. <laughs> uh, 
So Charles Herbert Best uh, was his assistant, and Best did a lot of uh, crucial work in the process. And it seems fair to say in general that all three men were critical parts of the development of insulin as an effective medication. When they started their work, the existence of insulin was still not a confirmed fact. We knew that the islets of Langerhans, which is the name of those Mm -hmm. little cells, produced something that helped regulate sugar. Insulin was at this point still just the name of a hypothetical substance scientists thought existed. So, Just as a quick side note... The islets of Langerham, I imagine them as like these little islands. That Beautiful like, little British little islands, storm-tossed, but picturesque. a microbial-sized Langerham yeah. expedition goes out and discovers like little white blood cells and naval hats. Yeah. Sorry, that I just had to get that image out I'm there. I'm the Duke of Langerham. <laughs> yeah, no, the, you're right. That's, yeah. That's how it was discovered. Tiny, yeah. tiny explorers. Tiny explorers. Uh, Banting, McLeod, and Best started work in May of 1921. Uh, It did not go well at first. I found an article in the Journal of Clinical Chemistry that went into the discovery of insulin in exhausting detail. Here's how they described the first few months of work. After ligation of the ducts, the dogs were expected to recover from the surgery and live more or less normally. After several weeks, the pancreas, unable to secrete fluid into the duodenum, would gradually atrophy and would be removed and processed to extract the internal secretion. The extract would then be administered to other dogs made diabetic by removal of the pancreas. It was a laborious task for someone with no experience in animal work, and it did not go well at first as Banting struggled to improve his surgical technique. By the end of the second week, seven of their ten dogs had died. To resupply the animal cages, they resorted to buying dogs on the streets of Toronto for one to $3 with no questions asked of the suppliers. No. (laughs) We need dogs. (laughs) We need a lot of dogs. It's just some guy with an overcoat like, hey, I heard you was uh, looking for dogs. Uh, This doctor's never worked on dogs. He's killing them left and right. (laughs) Just like opening up the trench coat and just (laughs) rows and rows of dogs. I'll give you $9. Is that enough for three dogs? Ten ten dogs a dollar. Ten dogs a (laughs) dollar. They're like off-brand dogs. Like, no, no, these are dogs. Three of these are cats. (laughs) (laughs) Sophie, really not happy with me right now. (laughs) We should be good. Sorry. We uh, had to deal with some noise. Uh, We also learned something that uh, I'm just coming into, which is that uh, the guy I've been calling McLeod is is McLeod. So everybody have a good laugh. You're a real McLeod, aren't you? I'm a real... (laughs) Everybody have a good laugh. Good old laugh at old old Robert Evans' expense. Not (laughs) knowing enough about Scotsman. Uh, So... um, You may have already noticed that this is horrible, because dogs are good and medically torturing them to death is bad, but the world is a gigantic wheel of pain and brutal crushing cruelty and is uh, sometimes necessary in order to save the lives of billions of diabetics. Uh, So, yeah, that's just the way the world works sometimes. Dogs continue to die at rapid rates throughout the research, but Banting and Best were eventually successful in creating an extract that seemed to work at regulating the blood sugar of dogs who'd had their appendixes removed. They debuted their work to an audience. It was one of those things you've seen on TV where the doctors do their work in like a big pit surrounded by an auditorium full of other doctors and pharmaceutical industry people. Old timey, thanks. They had like, they had, instead of bags of popcorn, it was like bags of dead dogs. Bags of dead dogs and those little circle things on their heads that (laughs) old timey doctors wore. One man present at this early insulin demo was George H.A. Klaus, a research director for Eli Lilly, the pharmaceutical company. After the presentation, he sidled up to McLeod and asked if his company could work with the scientists in order to get a product on the market sooner. McLeod turned him down, claiming that the work was not far enough along yet. 
This seems to have pissed Banting off, largely because McLeod had spoken for the group. Uh, Banting was also frustrated by the fact that McLeod was a much better presenter than he was, which made Banting worry that other scientists would get the credit and popular acclaim Banting felt he deserved. So, like, Banting is, like, watching as McLeod is, like, riding in on a skateboard and yeah. being like, hey, dudes, and, like... Like, he's just like, yeah, he's too nervous to talk to anyone, so he can't answer the questions, which McLeod can, but then he's like, he's taking credit for me. He keeps just, getting shoved in science lockers. He totally would be an incel. Oh, no. I'm calling it now. The inventor of insulin is an incel. Yeah, yeah. too perfect. Involuntary cellular biologist. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. Really good. Uh, so, it took a lot more work and a lot more dead dogs before Banting and his team made more progress on insulin. By 1922, they were close to a breakthrough, and Banting decided that McLeod was the center of a gigantic conspiracy to steal the credit for their immediate breakthrough. Banting and his team started to work with another scientist named Colip. Colip had figured out how to actually purify the pancreatic extracts that they were making and create usable insulin. In January of 1922, the group carried out a clinical test of their new extract that failed disastrously. The bad results sparked a fight, and during a heated exchange, Colip threatened to leave the band and take his purification method with him. He threatened to patent it so that they'd have to pay him to use it. So was Eli Lilly the Yoko Ono of the situation, or...? They were just sparking a fight. I see. This, but they didn't. They hadn't done anything yet. Uh, Colip was kind of the... Well, no. Banting was the... Banting was the Yoko Ono? Was both Yoko and Lennon. Ouch. That's a that's a harsh <laughs> personality to have. <laughs> he seems like a rough guy to work with. So, uh, yeah, here's a quote from that journal article uh, about the invention of insulin. This was a breach of the agreement between Colette, Banting, and Best to exchange all results. Banting, never showed of righteous anger or noted for meekness or restraint when he felt wronged, exploded with clenched fists. Mm. And in a moment, Colette was laying dazed on the floor of the laboratory. Fortunately, he was not seriously hurt. There are no contemporary records of this encounter, no reference by Colette, and only two accounts, neither of which, according to Bliss, should be considered entirely reliable. One was by Banting in his unpublished 1940 memoir, the other by Best in a letter to Sir Henry Dale, dated February 22, 1954. So he, like, beat him with his fists but he didn't hurt him at all no he beat him with his fists and i think it probably hurt pretty bad but calip was too felt bashful about it and didn't write about it banting's the only one who wrote about it because i'm thinking maybe his fists were like soft and small as apricots and it just like was like (laughs) soft and small as apricots (laughs) oh apricot fist (laughs) banting apricot handed banting that's that's possible too it's possible you just sucked at punching right but either way, I just like this story of like these genius scientists creating one of the most valuable medicines in history, yeah. fist fighting each other over the credit yeah. at one point. It's beautiful. Now, the four scientists did eventually work out their disagreements enough to allow them to get back to work. Banting and Best would depancreatize dogs, Colip would extract insulin, and McLeod would coordinate everyone's research. Everybody uh, doing, playing to their strengths. Playing to their strengths. It's like, you're great at depancreatizing. Tizing? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, he was the best of pancreatizer. Nobody's questioning Banting's ability to take out dog. You can pancreas. do pancreatize ten pancreases per minute. Mm-hmm. If you're if you've got a dog with too many pancreas, yeah, this pe- is your man. He's got ten ppm. T- 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 <laughs> <laughs> so um, Banting developed a hatred for the professor that made his life unbearable. Banting became an alcoholic, regularly drinking himself to sleep. Mm. Since it was prohibition, he had to steal liquor, 190-proof alcohol from the laboratory. He later said, I do not think there was one night during the month of March 1922 when I went to bed sober. Well, that seems like a not great practice. Uh, It just seems like March. (laughs) 
I mean, March is my birthday month, so I rarely go to bed sober on March. Like when uh, he when he says he was making life like unbearable for the other scientists, was he like playing drunken pranks on them? Like, no, like, he's just being a, a really angry asshole. I see. Yeah, throwing and, dogs at them, <laughs> tossing dog corpses left and right. You sons of bitches. Yeah. Uh, but their work bore fruit. On May 3rd, 1922, McLeod presented a paper to the Association of American Physicians, the effect produced on diabetes by extracts of pancreas. The paper described their discovery of insulin and its by now clear therapeutic success on treating diabetes. McLeod received a standing ovation, the first one given in the entire history of the society's existence. Banting and Best weren't there to see it. Banting had refused to go, because mm. he was a catty bitch, Aww. and badgered his colleague in not going as well as a protest against McLeod. Jeez. No. Yeah, it's, it's pretty... You miss that rare scientist standing ovation, which are radical, because they're just like air horns, vuvuzelas. So, uh, at this point, the uh, the team reached out to Eli Lilly uh, for help figuring out how to produce insulin in large quantities. So they'd figured out how to extract insulin. They could prove that it was a thing, that it had a therapeutic effect, but they were like, we don't actually know how to like produce a medicine for a shitload of people. We're just torturing dogs over here. Uh, although at some point there was a horrible note in the story I was oh, reading no. that like they they were using cows at one point and they needed like the fetuses of young cows oh. to get the pancreases out and they were okay. like thankfully lots of slaughterhouses get the cows pregnant before they kill them to make oh. them fatter so there's tons of cow fetuses oh <laughs> well isn't that nice yes yeah, well really worked out we're, for us we're swimming in cow fetus <laughs> cow up fetuses to our eyeballs and cow fetuses three dollar dogs. <laughs> <laughs> They just have cow fetuses in a bowl at like the front desk of these farms. Like, take a cow Grab fetus. Grab me a cow fetus. We have plenty. Too many cow fetuses. Too many cow fetus. They're just going to be going into sausage. That <laughs> <laughs> is sausages. It's just cow fetuses and pig assholes. That does seem like a like turn of the century movie. Like, too many cow fetuses. Too many cow fetuses. Starring Jameson Jimson. <laughs> Speaking of cow fetuses, uh, wonderful products that help people. It's ads time. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. 
Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. We're back. We're back. Ads are done. Ads has happened. Ads has happened. Back to insulin. (laughs) (laughs) Banting, Colop, and Best were awarded a patent on January 23rd, 1923. They did not give their patent to the public domain as a gift to mankind, but they did sell it for a dollar each to the Board of Governors of the University of Toronto. That's a bargain. That's a bargain. Great price for for (laughs) all of the insulin. Solid. Their goal was for the medicine itself to be used for the benefit of mankind and not pure profit. They deserve credit for getting all all getting on the same page about one thing, which is that insulin is too vital to be something that's purely a profit thing. Right, right. right. Now, uh, they basically gave the patent to the university so that they could restrict the production of insulin to reputable pharmaceutical companies. They wanted to stop quacks from trying to make their own products and then selling people poison branded as insulin. Right, just like liquefied dog in a yeah. syringe. Yeah, we're just killing dogs. <laughs> the patent also made it impossible for drug companies to produce a weaker version of the drug and still use the name insulin. So that's mm. good. As messy as they were, it does seem like these guys' hearts were in the right place. Right. Uh, Eli Lilly got a non-exclusive licensing contract, and for a while, insulin was a reasonably affordable medicine. After a couple of decades, the University of Toronto's patent expired, and any pharmaceutical company was allowed to produce it. This is the point at which the market should have been flooded with cheap, generic versions of insulin. Mm -hmm. But something else happened instead. Uh 
Eli Lilly and other pharmaceutical companies started tweaking insulin, making minor improvements or alterations to the oh. delivery system, tiny changes that maybe made it work slightly better here and mm-hmm. there. Uh, they timed these updates strategically so that insulin has remained, for all these different companies, a patented medication from 1923 right. to today. Right, because so I used to do um, medical learning materials for pharmaceutical companies, and one of the things I learned is about the process of uh, doing generic medications. So if you have a patent and you want to extend it beyond mm-hmm. what the law intends, for decades, yeah. right, what you do is you can tweak it very slightly, make, like you said, minor improvements, or you can even not tweak it, but say it's useful for something else, yep. like um, like uh, antidepressant medications being used for postpartum depression yeah. or PMS. Well, that's clearly and, different. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then then you can cling on to that patent long for a much longer than yeah. what is the spirit of the law, which is... 20 years. Yeah. Right, right, which yeah. is a long time, too. So it's... it, And that prevents other companies from creating biosimilars, which are, like, yeah. not the exact same formulation, but kind of a similar one. And it's really terrible because it... Comp- it well, let's uh, continue with your yeah, horrible the, story. Now, it, it's not impossible. It's important to say one of the differences with the case of insulin is that it's not impossible for a company to go back to the original recipe and make a generic version of insulin. That is something that's totally possible. The, right. What these companies are doing is that they're just never releasing a generic. They just keep right. tweaking their insulin every time it comes up. Right. It gets old enough. So basically, any pharmaceutical company could try to make their own insulin, but any organization that could afford to do so would be a pharmaceutical company. And in that case, why not just whip up their own kind of insulin, tweak right, it a little bit, right. and charge a lot of money? Why right. make a generic? Why um, help people? Why help people as a pharmaceutical company? Right, right. Yeah. Now, this is the conclusion reached by doctors Jeremy Green and Kevin Riggs, who published a study in the New England Journal of Medicine accusing the pharmaceutical industry of using a process called evergreening to extend their patents, particularly the patents for insulin. Right. This is the name of what you were just explaining. I'd like to quote from a summary of their article in Medicine Express. This keeps older versions off the generic market, the authors say, because generic manufacturers have less incentive to make a version of insulin that doctors perceived as obsolete. Newer versions are somewhat better for patients who can afford them, say the authors, but those who can't suffer painful, costly complications. We see generic drugs as a rare success story, providing better quality at a cheaper price, says Green, an associate professor of the history of medicine at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and a practicing internist. And we see the progression from patented drug to generic drug as almost automatic, but the history of insulin highlights the limits of generic competition as a framework for protecting the public health. Now, Riggs and Green were both inspired to study this problem because so many patients were coming into their Baltimore-area clinics with blurred vision, weight loss, thirst, and other symptoms of unmedicated diabetes. They realized that a ton of people who should have been on insulin were opting to suffer instead of go broke. Green and Riggs set out to learn why generic insulin wasn't a thing, and they traced out a legacy of evergreening. In the 1930s and 40s, pharmaceutical companies developed long-acting forms that allowed most patients to take a single daily injection. In the 1970s and 80s, manufacturers improved the purity of cow and pig-extracted insulin. Since then, several companies have developed synthetic analogs. Biotech insulin is now the standard in the U.S., the authors say. Patents on the first synthetic insulin expired in 2014, but these newer forms are harder to copy, so the unpatented versions will go through a lengthy Food and Drug Administration approval process and cost more to make. When these insulins come off the market, they may cost just 20 to 40% less than the patented versions, Riggs and Green write. Now, generic versions of medication often bring the price down to something like 80% cheaper. Mm -hmm. So 
when cheaper insulin comes in, it's going to be this kind of biotech insulin that's just 20 to 40% cheaper as opposed to... I see. So essentially still twice as much as it I ought see. to be at least. So like, so companies could be making these generics, but yeah. there's just no monetary incentive for them exactly. to do so. Exactly. It's not profitable. Right, right. What, what would you need to do? I mean, because, you might get a profit, but it's not as profitable. Right, because if you're a small enough company that you would want to maybe do it like then you couldn't... You don't have the resources. You don't have the resources. Yeah. So if you're a bigger company, you're like, well, there's more demand than would mean like people wouldn't be voting with their wallets. So they'll still sell it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, insulin has improved a lot over the years. You know, to give some credit to the pharmaceutical companies, we no longer have to torture dogs to make it. It's not all derived from animals anymore. Human insulin can be produced using recombinant DNA technology that basically turns bacteria into mm-hmm. insulin factories. It's pretty cool. The, they deserve to be rewarded for the innovations, or at least the scientists do, for the innovations that have been made to insulin. Um, but with each innovation, essentially, older but still working forms of insulin uh, stop being used as opposed to just being sold as generics because it's right. not profitable to run them. Uh, I read a Business Insider article on exactly this problem. Uh, it notes that the number of Americans with diabetes has tripled since 1980. You might expect that to make insulin cheaper, since it's now easier to make and being produced on an economy of scale. Instead, the price has soared astronomically. Some insulin products have seen their price triple since 2002. Wow, geez. Yeah. Levamir, one popular medication made by Novo Nordisk, cost $120 for 100 units in 2012. Today, the same amount costs $300. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, as we noted, generic versions of medication often help lower the price. I could buy so many dogs with that. You could. You could buy $3 dogs. Even, <laughs> even, yeah, even a $3 dog, which is an expensive dog in the insulin market. Right. You could buy 100 $3 dogs uh, and make your own insulin. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as we noted earlier, generic versions of medication can lower the price by as much as 80%. Uh, this would be life-changing for someone with diabetes struggling to deal with an extra $570 a month in insulin bills. Yeah, no That's what kidding. the average diabetic American pays. Oh, Jesus Christ. So that's... you're talking 400 bucks that could Ugh, be back on their That could budget. be spent on dogs. Could be spent on dogs. Or maybe food and your rent. Or maybe food <laughs> and rent. But yeah, uh, there is no generic insulin. And Riggs and Green suspect that this is because no pharmaceutical company considers making such a product to be a worthwhile investment. Jesus. On February 17th, 2017, Shane Patrick Boyle posted a GoFundMe to raise enough money for Mm. one month of insulin. For him, this meant $750. As we already discussed, he came up $50 short, and he died a couple of weeks later of diabetic ketoacidosis. The current Secretary of Health and Human Services, appointed by Donald Trump and confirmed by Congress, is Alex Azar. Before he got into politics, Mr. Azar had a different job. He worked for Eli Lilly from 2007 to 2017. Uh Starting in 2012, he was the president of Lilly USA, the company's largest division. I'd like to quote from an article in The Nation. During Azar's tenure, Eli Lilly raised the prices on its insulins in the United States by 20.8% in 2014, 16.9% in 2015, and 7.5% in 2016. Eli Lilly's biggest seller, Humalog Insulin, is now off patent, but rather than becoming cheaper, Humalog costs more now than when it first came to market what? in 1996. When Azar started working at Eli Lilly in June 2007, the list price for a vial of Humalog was $74. When he quit in January 2017, it was 269 Wait, so have they made changes to Humalog? Nope. It's just... They're just jacking the price up. Oh, my God. They're, it's like, 
that's shouldn't that be sort of like illegal yeah. crime murder <laughs> <laughs> i mean the health and human services secretary did it so how could it be that bad well you know how people get so worked up when they see stores jack up the prices of water before oh, yeah. a disaster this is like that every day every single year for 20 years and then you become a secretary of health oh, and human my services God. oh that is really depressing it's horrible yeah, that's the whole story. Oh, oh boy, <laughs> it's just awful. Oh, that was a that was a very sudden right into the wall end there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, there's not much to say. I read the story about those parents bringing their dead kids' ashes yeah. to a pharmaceutical company that... and read about it, and it's uh, fucked up. That is so and terrible. Heavy. And I mean, Alex Azar and everyone else involved in these companies and changing the prices of them is a piece of shit. Yeah, because I mean, so one thing is to be clear about diabetes is there are two types. So. There's childhood diabetes where there's no lifestyle thing yeah, that they one, do. Right? Yeah, type one, Yeah, type one. They're born a, with it. You yeah. just random chance. Shitty spin of that big roulette wheel. Mother nature just dicking around. But, yeah. I mean, that's not to say people with type two deserve it or anything no, like that. No, 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 because, no. like, I mean, it's such an irony where we have such little restrictions on all these foods that are high in sugar and killing us with, you know, just yeah. creating these high incidence of diabetes and then the medicine that can save your life is also just the price is jacked up jesus christ that is if that isn't an indictment of our society i don't know yeah it's pretty pretty horrible and gross yeah Uh, so if you're diabetic sorry you're dealing with this if you happen to know where alex azar's car is (gasps) I'm not going to say commit a crime I on will. Alex Azar's car, but maybe key it. Do crimes. Do crimes. Not do maybe. Crimes. I'm just saying. Be diabetic, do crimes. Generally Wait, no. do crimes. <laughs> <laughs> generally do crimes. I mean, my goal is to train a flock of birds to yeah. follow them around and give those birds a, real, a healthy but very high in fiber diet. Yeah. And just have them follow a lot of protein his bars cart. For a those. lot of <laughs> a lot of like wheat husks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chia seeds. If you train birds and live in the D.C. area, mm-hmm. we have a gig for you. We got a job. <laughs> Listen, we'll crowdfund this like we would crowdfund someone's insulin payment. Yeah, and yeah. if we fall fifty dollars short, though, we won't die. We won't die. Yeah, his car will just not be filthy. And his <laughs> shirt will not be shitted on. If you train birds in D.C. Right. If you Drop a line. If you practice falconry in the D.C. area, mm-hmm. the greater metropolitan D.C. area, uh, you know, DM mm-hmm. Robert. Or if you're Oswald Tomilkins, the greatest car keyer uh, in the East Coast. Everybody knows Oswald Tomilkins. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. He's fantastic. Uh, maybe <laughs> key this guy's car. You know, do it a... a I don't know. Uh, maybe key in an image of an urn with a dead twenty-seven-year-old uh, diabetic's geez. ashes in it. Uh, it's so heavy because it's one of these things where we freaking found the cure to this. Yeah, we found shouldn't be a problem. It shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> you know, we talk about things like how terrible cancer is and how we crave a cure so much, and of course we do because cancer is awful. But then we have a freaking cure for diabetes that will keep people from dying from imminently dying and just to dangle it above them like oh oh you want this cure oh oh try and get it oh oh and the people dangling it are only using one hand because they're getting paid tens of millions of dollars in bonuses uh for doing the dangling 
How? What a great system. I know. How... <laughs> Super going to last forever and not collapse in fire and death. Yeah, I, I <laughs> can't, like... You know, does it feel good when you get your, like, second luxury yacht? Like, you might as well just, why not skip all of the middleman stuff and just make it out of dead diabetic Yeah, just people. make it out of corpses. Make a giant Have a boat, bone yacht. A, if, boat, a bone yacht made out of the bones of dead diabetic if, people. If Alex Azar was sailing up to Kennebunkport, Maine in mm-hmm. a bone yacht, I'd yeah. be, well, okay, he's terrible, but, like, this at, guy at least has some panache. At least he's forthright. Yeah, he's right. honestly a bone merchant. Well, cut yeah. the metaphor, skip L. the Ron symbolism. L. Ron Hubbard would have built a, a bone boat boat. out of bones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Either build a bone boat, or I'm going to keep telling people to key your car, Alex Azar. Or, That's yeah. my threat to the Secretary of Health and Human <laughs> Services. <laughs> we will train a flock of birds. <laughs> train a flock of birds to shit on your car. A constant flow, stream of shit flowing of shit. as much as insulin should be flowing <laughs> to <laughs> patients who need it. The bird shit will flow like insulin until the insulin gets cheaper. Yeah. Uh, that is the terroristic threat we are making on this episode <laughs> of Behind the Bastards. Great. Cool. I'm glad you put a label to it so it'll really make DHS... Uh, you got to make go, it easy for those yeah, guys. You really for their search engine to go like, oh, there we go. I'm going to uh, get an interview like, like how many birds are in your bird how cell? How many birds do you have? <laughs> what kind? Let me see your keys. <laughs> is, there, is there paint on them? <laughs> now, Katie, you got any pluggables to plug? Well, of course, my show, Creature Feature, where we talk about creatures who are more human-like than you expect and humans who act in animal ways like the freaking barbaric animals who deny people insulin. Yeah. Well, uh, actually, animals would never do anything that fucked up. No, they wouldn't. No. I mean, a- animals do some fucked up things. It's not like, like that. They'll mind control uh, spiders into weaving mm. them a little nest and then killing them. See, that's they'll... the kind of exploitation I can get behind. Right, right. There's something like metal about that. Yeah, there's yeah. there's nothing cool about just depriving people of insulin. No, that's um, just murder. <laughs> uh, and so you can follow me at Katie Golden on Twitter. Uh, you can follow my bird Twitter at ProBirdWrites. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, please do check out my show. There's a great episode with Robert in it called... Uh, I thought it was something like... Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness. There we go. I was yes. looking for the name of that movie. Yes. Yeah, Reefer Madness. That's Reefer Madness. Name. I'm Robert Evans. This has been Behind the Bastards. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at IWriteOK. You can find us on Instagram and... Uh, Twitter at uh, at Bastards Pod. You can find us online with all the sources for this article at BehindTheBastards.com. We have a t-shirt shop. You can buy cups there, mugs, phone wraps and stuff with cool logos made up and, and catchphrases and stuff from the show. Neat images. So Like taste your pee. Like, Sample your, your pee. pee. Sample your pee. That'll be coming out soon. So go to Tee Public. Look up Behind the Bastards. More like Tee Public. Although maybe this week, instead of buying a shirt, donate some money to somebody's GoFundMe if they're trying to buy insulin oh or something. They, they clearly need the help. It's or fucked up vote. Right now. Or vote. I, hopefully you just voted. <laughs> There's no voting to do immediately. Well, soon. Keep voting. Yeah, keep voting. Constantly and vote. look out for your, your diabetic friends because she it's rough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I love about 40% of you. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? 
And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.